grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, our newest worship book, The Cranberry Colored Evangelical Lutheran Worship, has pretty much eliminated the specialized use of the word saint. Back in the Green Book days, when I was a boy, <laughs> a preacher would say, the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Now it's the Holy Gospel according to John. We dropped the title, Saint. And then where the Green Book would have called today St. Thomas, Apostle, the Cranberry Book calls it Thomas, Apostle. The specialized use of the word saint has been eliminated. The principal reason for this is that we teach that all Christians are saints. There's not a special class of Christians. Basically, in the Bible, it's Paul who uses the word saint, and he uses it to describe everybody. Greet all the saints, he'll write at the end of one of his letters, which is his way of saying, say hi to everybody. Greet all the saints. In fact, Paul, in all those letters, never uses the word Christian. The people we call Christian are the people he calls saints. So we're all saints, and our new worship book is militant about that. But I'm not. I'm not going back to Angleton, Texas, to the first church I pastored, and tell all the saints at St. John Lutheran Church that they need to call themselves John Lutheran Church. <laughs> the Lutheran Reformation said that we should not pray to saints. That was a shift away from Roman Catholicism. But that saints were nevertheless useful as role models. Role models of what God could do with an ordinary person. I'm thinking of Peter, who was quite flawed, but came to be first among the saints. I'm thinking of Thomas, whom we remember today, who doubted. Saints remind us that God's grace works through us, sometimes in spite of ourselves. And yes, some saints are role models of how we ought to behave. I'm thinking of the Virgin Mary, who bravely said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Saints' days, like today, uh, started off only with martyrs. Uh, pick up your worship book and open it to page 14. There in the front. Page 14 looks like this. The church actually has two calendars. The cyclical calendar of seasons, which you see on the left, page 14, 
Advent, Christmas, etc. Then on the right, page 15, is the calendar which is sometimes called the Sanctoral Calendar. It was originally called a martyrology. Mar now there's a word you can take to your next cocktail party. Martyr martyrology, because originally the church remembered people who had died for their faith. Thomas is one of those, and that's why the church is red today. Red is the color of the martyrs. All the other saints are white. And usually the day they died is the day that they are arranged on the calendar. Uh, the, the church says um, that the day they die is the day that they are born into eternal life. And so their death day is ironically their birthday. And, uh, and that's the date that they are assigned to if it's available. But these two calendars sometimes operate in conflict with each other. One of my personal heroes, Gregory the Great, is listed on March 12th. You'll see him down there uh, uh, listed as Bishop of Rome, which is our way of saying Pope. <laughs> but that's a whole other sermon. Come back. But March 12th usually falls during Lent. And because Gregory the Great is so great, <laughs> the Roman church moved his holy day to September 3rd to get it out of Lent. But we stayed with March 12th. You think that Lutherans are modern and that Catholics are medieval. That's not true. Our argument with Rome is which of us is closest to the original Christianity. An argument about whose customs and truths are oldest, not newest. So they moved Gregory, but we stuck with tradition. And Thomas, according to the Western tradition, Thomas died on December 21st. That's too close to Christmas. So the Roman church moved him to July 3rd. And we Lutherans, though, we hung on to December 21st for as long as we could until this worship book came out. And then we moved him to July 3rd as well, today, July 3rd. With four shopping days left until Christmas, on December 21st, we figured the Pope had a pretty good idea at that point. I said the Bishop of Rome, not the Pope. Now, Paul writes today, the gifts Christ gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This is one of the greatest sentences in the Bible because it's clear who the saints are. Everyone. And why do we have leaders? Paul says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But we could say bishops, priests, deacons, deaconesses, popes, district superintendents, presiding bishops. Why do we have them? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we don't look at them and say, oh, he's a super Christian. I'll never be like him, so I'm just going to sit it out and let him be a good Christian. We don't leave the mission and the ministry to the leaders. On the contrary, the leaders equip us 
to do the mission and the ministry. One of our pastors in Michigan took the sign on his door off, you know, the sign that says, Pastors Study. And he put up a sign that says, Equipment Room. Equipment Room, because his job, according to that verse of the Bible that Kay read, is his job is to equip the saints. Thomas is sometimes called Doubting Thomas. He doubts, but then he believes, so it may not be fair to call him Doubting Thomas. Uh, I say, but that's why we love him. I, we love him because he doubts. But you know who I love even more this morning is Gideon, the guy in the first reading. Did you listen to that reading? I mean, it's, it's humorous. Uh, he, he asks God to perform a miracle. He gets up in the morning, and God has performed that miracle. And that's the moment when Gideon says, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just a coincidence. So God, could you do it again? <laughs> and God does it again. That's, that's a guy I can identify with. But in the New Testament, we have Thomas, and we love him. All of us who have doubts from time to time love him. I sometimes call him literal Thomas because he focuses upon literal reality and occasionally misses spiritual truth, which is true of so many of us. In today's gospel, Jesus says to Thomas, if you know me, you will know my father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. This is the great central truth that Martin Luther latched onto. All you can ever know about God, all you ever need to know about God, is in Jesus Christ. All other talk about God is speculation and foolishness. At the conclusion of this gospel, the gospel according to John, Thomas says to Jesus, My Lord and my God. This is the highest testimony paid to Jesus anywhere in the gospels. He even surpasses Peter. That's why it may be unfair to remember Thomas simply as a doubter. But more importantly, Jesus had said to Thomas earlier in today's gospel, if you know me, you know the Father. And at the end of the gospel, that is the point that Thomas reaches. My Lord and my God. Words which normally apply to the Father. But in Jesus, Thomas has met the Father. The inspiration of Thomas and Gideon may be for all of us who are Christians, yet we who still have questions, doubts, and fears. Thomas, after all, was already one of the twelve. But Jesus doesn't recruit people because they are already perfect. Jesus doesn't call followers who never question. Jesus calls ordinary people into sainthood. 
like Thomas, we continue to grow after we are called. Like Thomas, we continue to doubt, to question, to sin. Like Thomas, we can grow and deepen. Like Thomas, we can provide a great witness and a great hope to others, sometimes in spite of our own selves. Amen.